Ruth chapter 2, Ruth chapter 2, if you will, this morning. Uh, we've continued through Ruth. Of course, we talked, the first four messages were out of Ruth 1, which was based on a famine. We talked about endure chastening, experience grace, examine priorities, and talked about encountering providence. And Naomi and Ruth, of course, after choosing to go back to God, Naomi go back and Ruth to go. Uh, toward God, uh, had to examine their priorities and make a choice. And then they encountered providence from God, and only God could have got them where they did. And then we talked about how Ruth decided to evaporate problems. And she was willing to face the fears of Naomi. She was willing uh, to not just face the fears, but to uh, put her feet to the field and put the effort in. And then uh, as she went, she put her faith in an unfailing God. And the problems started to evaporate, and we see Uh, Two of the biggest needs these ladies had uh, after leaving their homeland, of course, losing their husbands and losing their their, their lifeline uh, for survival, their two biggest needs, the first of all, was provision, and that was food. Your stomach will let you know if you have a need or not. And some of you are probably thinking that right about now. And, uh, and, but the provision. But the second thing that they desperately needed is what we'll find today. And may I say, God will take care of our provision, but he also takes care of the other thing. That I think most of us, if we're truly honest, desperately, desperately want, and that is protection. And we see God protected these dear ladies. Of course, they had no way to protect themselves. And they're in a land of judges where every man did that which was right in his own eyes, a very wicked area. But yet they wanted this protection and God gave it to them. And I believe you and I today, God, will give us protection, safety, peace that passes all understanding. We can learn from that today. All that to say, if you're there, we'll read our text today. If you're physically able to stand uh, for the reading of God's word, if you could join me, we'll read just a few verses this morning. And then we'll continue our study in the book of Ruth. The Bible says, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and are come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thy handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you again for loving us. Thank you for these dear people. I appreciate their faithfulness to you. Thank you for the guests you sent our way. Lord, I pray you'll be with those who are in other parts of our ministries being ministered to right now, with the children, the teens, the nursery, or our site churches, Lord, and those online that are tuning in. May they know they're loved and appreciated. Lord, I pray you'll open our hearts, Lord. Open our ears, and may we learn from you. May you move amongst us. Or may you help me to get out of the way and you to speak through me. I desperately want you to be glorified today in all that we say and do. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
Years ago, a father was at the beach with his children when his four-year-old ran up to him and grabbed his hand and led him to the shore. The dad walked with him, and the little lad said, Dad, as he looked at a seagull that lay dead in the sand, Dad, what happened to the seagull? The dad thought for a moment and said, Son, he died and went to heaven. The dad replied. The boy thought for a moment and looked at the seagull and said, Dad, why did God throw him back down again? And uh, anyways, we have here this morning a lady who is starting to experience God and his sovereignty, his providence, and his, prote- and his provision. But now she desperately wants protection and she does not feel like she deserves it. She does not feel like she's entitled to it. She knows that she is a Moabitish woman who is not allowed in the land, not because God doesn't love everyone, but because the Moabites were against God, and they were trying to lead the Israelites astray. So God says they cannot come in, and she knows the fact that she's there by invite from Naomi, and of course by marriage, that she shouldn't even be there. She's not expecting much, but she does expect survival, and what every young lady and every young man, and really all of us, desire is stability and protection. Of course, She wonders, can she have it? And of course, God gives it to her. Last night I was with my children, putting them to bed, and of course knowing um, that they probably were going to get up an hour earlier. They say the only person, the only only people that don't benefit from time change is young parents, right? So, uh, but anyways, uh, uh, putting them to bed, and one of them spoke up and said, Daddy, can you pray with me? I said, of course. He says, I'm scared. I said, well, let's go over a Bible verse. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And we prayed together. He said, Daddy, did you lock the doors? I said, yes, I locked the doors. Can you double check? Yes, I'll double check. But don't worry, son. You got me for a father. No, it'll be good. So we prayed together. And his biggest fear a few hours before was, when's the time to eat? (laughs) But at that point, his biggest fear was, his biggest need was, Daddy, am I going to be safe tonight? Can you imagine Ruth, as she pulled her head in the fields or wherever they found lodging, wondering, am I going to be safe tonight? And she goes and follows the Lord's leading. Am I going to be safe tonight? And she gets the answer. Let's look at number one, if you're writing the threefold promise of Boaz, the threefold promise of Boaz. Verse number nine is a packed verse of much uh, help for you and me today. And if you read it with me, we'll just read the first part. It says, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. Of course, we talked about provision last week, so we won't get into all that. But if you remember, Boaz had told her to walk with her maidservants, the people who would gather up uh, the barley and put it into uh, a sheaf, as Brother Vestal talked a little bit ago. When, when they would do that, you walk with them. Therefore, you get what they drop, and you are the first person that can glean. And so it actually did not take away the need to work, but it sure did make it easier on her. And so we see she does that, and, and, and Boaz says, but, but when you go after them, let thine eyes be on the field. That they do reap. Now why does he tell her that? Let thine eyes be on the field. My field. I believe what he was saying 
As John Butler said, for Ruth to gain the blessing and reward from gleaning in Boaz's field, she needed to keep her eyes focused on his field. She didn't always know where the boundary was. She didn't always know where the edge was unless you were a, a regular worker in that field. You didn't know all the boundaries. And Ruth could easily get off track. Boaz says, if you'll stay on my field, you'll be provision. And there's more to it as well. And we learned this morning that we can look onto other fields and therefore we can diminish our blessing, can we not? What we look at has much effect upon our life. Perhaps you've heard the messages, and I won't expound on them today, of those who couldn't look on the right things. I think of David and Bathsheba. His look, I think of Lot's wife when she turned to look back, affected her much. And Boaz was telling Ruth, hey, don't be looking at other fields. Keep your eyes on mine. Because if you'll do that, you'll continue to get the provision that you need. Psalms 119.37 says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. May I encourage us all today to keep our eyes focused not on the fields of the world, but on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see the promise of provision, but second of all, we see the promise of protection. In verse number 9, it says, as Boaz continues on, and go thou after them. And who was that? That's the maidens. Those are the people that he's commanded her to go with because she'll be able to get more barley. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? Now, Boaz knows, in Deuteronomy 22, 25, the law, but if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die, but unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing, neither is it in the damsel no, worthy, no sin worthy of death, for as, men, for as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so in this matter. And so he knows the law that you're not supposed to touch a woman, and the word touch here is Proverbs 6, 29, so that he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her. And so Boaz isn't necessarily saying a pat on the back or a high five. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's, a, it's a man uh, uh, trying to uh, do something with a woman he should not be doing. And we see here, Boaz says, hey, I have told my servants they cannot do any harm to you. And by the way, they know and not doing any harm to you that they won't allow anybody else's servants to do harm to you. Perhaps Ruth was someone they were going to try to prey on because she was from another country and perhaps maybe she didn't have as, as much uh, a, a, a stock in their eyes or, uh, uh, and so she was more uh, not, not as useful and so they were going to try to uh, come after her and Boaz says, hey, if you'll stay right next to my maidservants, my servants will make sure that nothing bad will happen to you. Little did Boaz know, perhaps not only was he protecting Ruth, but He was also protecting the future seed of Obed, which was going to be the line of the Messiah from being defiled. And in a sense, it was an oasis of peace in the midst of darkness. So Boaz, protecting Ruth, was actually protecting the very lineage of Christ, which, by the way, affects you and me today. We're thankful that Jesus Christ came, are we not? Was willing to give his life for us on the cross. And so we see the promise of protection. We see the promise of provision. But third of all, we see the promise of privilege. The last part of verse number 9, it says, And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels. Now, keep in mind, it wasn't a very wet area. It was hot, it was dry, it was Palestine, more deserty. 
and perhaps they got just enough rain and, and, and maybe even some irrigation that's just enough to be able to get the crops. And they probably planted crops that maybe didn't necessarily need a lot of rain. And, and so we, we see here that, that there's not an abundance of water. And because of the hot and dry area, you were going to get thirsty. Now I know you and I, if we got thirsty right now, we know there's a drinking fight on not too far away. But that was not the case then. They had water jars that they would put water in. But the gleaners were not accessible to them. In fact, the only way the gleaners could get water was if they go to the pools that maybe were there. And of course, had become maybe a little stagnant. And of course, there was disease there. And, and the poor could, get, could die because of that. And we see that they would maybe have to go to a well and, and do the back-breaking work of, of rolling up a well. And if you remember Moses... When he goes and he first meets his future wife that was in the, the field trying to water her, her flock and, and there was much uh, 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 danger there. And so they'd have to wait till it was all done till they could finally do it. Uh, and perhaps maybe Ruth was even dangerous even getting water to drink. But it's interesting here how Boaz says, no, you can actually go to the jars. That's specifically designed for my servants and my maidservants. Therefore, you can enjoy living water without much effort at all. And may I say today, this is another way of undeserved grace being shown to Ruth. But we do know that there's another kind of living water out there. Not necessarily from the drinking fountain. Not necessarily from Arrowhead or Dasani or whatever brand of water you drink. And however you want to say it, if I said it wrong, okay. (laughs) There's living water. John 7, verse 37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now we understand this morning, it isn't necessarily water we drink, it's experiencing the living waters of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we see today, Jesus says, hey, you'll come, you'll get, you'll, get, you'll get quenched. And that begs the question this morning is, are you thirsty? Are you searching for something more in life that's more meaningful? Are you searching for something that's more fulfilling? The world will continue to give us things that will contaminate us and it won't truly quench. I remember as a kid, we'd work hard all day on the farm and we'd go to the gas station on the way back. And we'd go and usually go to the fountain machine. You know, we'd get the big 32 ounce back in the day when they were like 59 cents. And uh, we'd fill it with some, just a little bit of ice. We'd fill it all the way up. And if, no, if my dad wasn't looking, I'd take a big sip and fill it up again. <laughs> Forgive me, okay? And uh, I'd put that on there and I'd drink that whole thing. And you know what was funny? Soda never really did quench my thirst. Water did. But today, if you truly are thirsty, Jesus will truly fill you. In fact, the rich man, if you remember in the parable, he was trying to fill up on the world. But yet when he died, and the Bible says there, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, the poor man, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. And it's interesting to me that the rich man had everything, but he did not have the living water. And because of that, when he needed it most, he desired just a drop. 
So my encouragement to you today is quit being enamored by the world and get to Jesus. He's the only one who can truly satisfy that thirst you have. You see, Ruth had to make a choice. Boaz couldn't make her take advantage of his protection, his provision, his privilege. Just like you and I have a choice today, Renaissance are very common in our world today. If you, do not want to, if you cannot afford or do not want to purchase all the merchandise, you can rent furniture, appliances, electronic equipment. And they say now you can even rent engagement rings. Now, why would you rent engagement rings? Well, I can only think of one reason. Just in case it doesn't work out. Okay. I'm here today to say that wasn't the spirit of Ruth. She wanted to remain committed to Jesus Christ. May I say we can play around with the living water. May I encourage you to just accept Christ as your Savior. And may you continue to drink from that fountain. May you be committed to Jesus Christ. So we see, first of all, the threefold promise was a promise of provision, protection, and privilege. But second of all, today... We see the timid procuring of Ruth. So we see procuring, of course, if you're not familiar with that word, is really obtaining. So we see the timid obtaining of Ruth. She was not expecting much. She, of course, as she responds to this generosity, she just can't believe it. The Bible says in verse 10, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me? Ruth bows and respect. She can't believe it. As John Piper says, she truly shows humility. She didn't feel entitled. She didn't feel expectant. She was just so thankful. And it's interesting when a truly humble person is treated graciously, we see that grace is not intended to live us out of lowliness, but grace is intended to make us happy in God. There's something about the psalmist who said, your mercy and grace are new each morning. Aren't you thankful today for God's grace? And that is enough. It's sufficient for you and me, as Paul says. Boaz knows that though she felt like she didn't undeserve, she, he knows that God would want him to do this. Leviticus 19.34 But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. And thou shalt love him as thyself. Why? For ye were strangers, God said, in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. It's a picture to those people that, though you didn't deserve my grace, I gave it to you. And when we're gracious to people, it's a picture of God's graciousness to us. Boaz understands this. Jesus encourages us in Luke 6, verse 38. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaking together and running over. For with the same measure that ye... Meat with halt shall be measured to you again. Paul says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. So it's a good thing to be gracious. Boaz knew that being gracious was what God would do. He's showing favor to Ruth. We see that this favor and grace is used three times in Ruth. She acknowledges her own unworthiness. But she enjoys the grace of God. And may I say this morning, we also must acknowledge our unworthiness when it comes to the grace that Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short 
Bible says we are, there's none righteous, no, not one. We are born in sin. But Jesus Christ was willing to show us grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. So we see this grace perhaps came through her toil. The Bible says in verse 11, And Boaz answered and said unto her, Hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. He says, hey, I've heard what's happened and all you've done. It's amazing. Even to someone of my family, and of course we know he's a near kinsman. So Naomi was his family. He knows she has sacrificed her family way of life to help her mother-in-law. Finally, someone's noticed all her efforts. Reminds me of the preacher who was having a rough morning. His sermon was not going as planned. He was giving it all he got, but it was not going well. And finally he says, can everyone hear me in the back? Someone from the back piped up, yes, but I wouldn't mind changing seats with someone who can't. <laughs> right. And that's maybe how Ruth felt. She is giving it her all and to no avail. But yet now she's starting to experience a grace that she just hoped she could find in verse 2. And now she's experiencing it. And it's such a rich grace through Boaz from God. We see not only through her toil, but through her turning. What's interesting here, Boaz also noticed how she had left her father and mother in the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not herefore too. John Butler says, Ruth not only left Moab geographically, but more importantly, she left it theologically. Ruth was willing to leave all behind and give herself totally to God. Abraham, did he not do this when he left Or? Of course, Hebrews 11.8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. That obedience showed faith, Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Ruth also expressed that faith. Therefore, we know she's righteous. And now she's getting the reward for her faith and righteousness toward her God. We see not only through her toil, through her turning, but we also notice through her trust. Boaz goes on to say in verse 12, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given of thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Boaz said the last reason why you deserve what you're getting is because you've chosen to trust your God. It's interesting to me, that God has purposelessly left us in a state of need so that we are motivated to serve him. 1 John 5, 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Do you realize this morning that when you trust God, you can overcome the world and things in your life. And Ruth here is starting to understand what it means to trust in her God. Wings is used in scripture as a beautiful illustration. Exodus 19.4 says, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Psalm 17.8, Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Psalm 36.7, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. 
Really, the thought today is simply this. Is something robbing your joy as a Christian? Maybe it's health. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's relationship struggles. Will you put yourself under God's wing? But what's even more interesting is we often think of a hen, the chickens that that run under her wings. But an eagle doesn't treat her offspring like that. In fact, Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they shall... But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And David Guzik says that eagles do not pick up their offspring with their claws and fly. No, instead, the eaglets will crawl upon them and get nestled down in their wing and they'll cling to the bird. Therefore, if an arrow gets shot at the bird, it has to go through the bird to hit the little eaglets. And in a sense, when you mount up on wing, eagle's wings, when you trust in God, you are jumping on him and you are bearing down in him and he protects us from anything harmful. And so Ruth here has chosen to put herself under eagle's wings. And Charles Wesley wrote a great song. Under his wings I am safely abiding, though the night deepens and tempest are wild. Still I can trust him, I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me, and I am his child. I rest beneath the almighty shade. My griefs expire, my troubles cease. Thou, Lord, on whom my soul has stayed, will keep me still in perfect peace. You see, the Lord may not calm the storm around you, but he will calm the storm within you. John Piper said, God is not an employer looking for employees. He is an eagle looking for people who will take refuge under his wings. And Boaz says, because you are doing this, you're going to be rewarded for your faith. Years ago, there was a difficult civilian war in Nanjing, China. And women were spared Women were not spared in this fight, and they were killed, and many were assaulted. And in this threatening environment, many Valtrin became a hero by taking measures to protect these Chinese women. And she would cooperate with Chinese nationals, missionaries, surgeons, and business people, and she would turn the college she was at into a place of refuge for thousands of women and girls. Just like that is what our Heavenly Father wants to do for you and me. Why don't we run to him more? Oftentimes we run to other things. But Ruth was protected because she chose to not just toil, not just turn, but to trust in her Heavenly Father. Which brings us to the last one this morning, number three, if you're writing. We see the trusted pledge from her Lord. We see that Ruth has sought for grace in verse 2. In verse 10 and 13, she has found grace. We see that this pledge came from her Lord, and why did it come? Perhaps through Ruth's humility in verse 13. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, for thou hast comforted me. Leon Morris says, Perhaps for the first time since this woman has lost her husband, left her family and home behind, and now is grinding corn 
and poverty. She says this word, Boaz, you've comforted me. Can you imagine? She is finally feeling truly comforted. This nice man, his kindness is comforting this woman in her most dire need. The Bible says, And for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like one of thine handmaids. May I encourage you today to be careful with your words. Someone says, Remember that kind words are always the right kind. Proverbs says, Pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bone. Ecclesiastes says, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Someone said, a sharp tongue leaves a scar, while a helpful word heals the heart. I think for the first time, Ruth is feeling this. She feels comforted. She's enjoying the provision, but now she's starting to truly understand the protection. She says she's a handmaid. Basically what she's saying is, I'm lowest on the totem pole. I'm no more than a female slave. Why are you doing this? I don't deserve this. Speaking of humility, it reminds me of a mother who was making pancakes for her sons. Kevin was five and Ryan was three. And the boys were arguing over who would get the first pancake. And so the mother said, you know what? I got a moral lesson for them. She said, well, boys, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. The oldest of the two brothers turned to his brother and said, Ryan, how about you be Jesus today? (laughs) Humility. And we see Ruth's humility. And because of that, we see Boaz's hospitality. Look at verse 14. And Boaz said unto her, at mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. Now, what is so interesting about this phrase? Well, you and I don't think much about mealtime. I mean, I shouldn't say that. You're probably thinking much about mealtime right now, okay? But probably don't think much about mealtime like they did back then. It, it was a big deal. Of course, even a few centuries, ago, a few decades ago, um, people would come suit and tie to the table just for dinner at home. That's probably not the case for most of you today, unless you go home straight from church and you don't take your suit off, all right? But that's, the meal is just different than it was back then, and it was more ceremonial. And if you invited someone over for a particular purpose, it was a big deal, and it meant something. And that's what happens here when Boaz invites her over. We see in verse number 14 that he gives her roasted grain, but before then, he gives her bread and vinegar. Now, this is a ceremonial act. It wasn't an appetizer. Let me give you bread and vinegar. This was a ceremonial act that when you partake of this, this is showing that I'm making a promise with you. What I said in verse 9, what I said in verse 12 and 11... That wasn't just me saying, talking. That means until we die, this is a covenant that will last forever. And can you imagine what Ruth must have felt? She's now part of the family. I remember 
years ago, January, actually, I don't remember this, and you'll know why when I say it, okay. I remember it because I've been told so many times how it happened, okay. Uh, January of 1987, my mom uh, uh, and my dad drove my grandpa's four-wheel drive through drifts and through snow to get to the hospital. And after staying there all night, the doctor said, false alarm, go back home. They went a second time, same thing. A third time was a charm. And Justin Lehman was born. Adams County Hospital in Decatur, Indiana. I grew up in that home and uh, got to help out around the farm and uh, was able to contribute in those early days to my dad's business and survival, you know, of our family. And then one day, when I was a teenager, my dad said, all right, Justin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually start paying you by the hour. You're old enough now by Indiana law, okay, pay by the hour. And he says, you're going to get paid $2 an hour. I said, wow, that's awesome. He says, now keep in mind, you're still getting free room and board. You're still going to take the car out whenever you want. And I'm paying for the insurance and the gas. So you're actually doing pretty well. I said, oh, great. You know, okay. So I started working, and he would, he would hire other people too. And, and in the evening time, we'd work after school, and we'd help out with uh, squash or pumpkins, or uh, we'd, we'd, we'd do the popcorn or whatever, whatever was needed to be done that day. And about 6.30 or so, we had this huge dinner bell outside our house that had been there for as long as I ever remembered. I think it came with the farm. It was huge. It had this big black metal ball on it, and it had a nice rope. And it was every child's temptation to just... But we were instructive. That bell is only to be wrong when you're told to. And so about 6.30-something, that bell went and ding-dong. That was a great sound. Because that means dinner was ready. My mom was a wonderful cook, and I'll never forget wanting to go in there and ready to go. And my friend was working there, and he looked up at me with those sheepish eyes. I said, you got peanut butter and jelly tonight, don't you? Yeah. I said, guess what I get, you know. Whatever my mom makes, and it's going to be good. And he would look at me with those poor eyes. He knew he couldn't go in that house unless what? He got an invite. But I never had to worry about that. Why? Because I was in the family. If I went home today... I could walk into that house and probably scare my mom to death. (laughs) She wouldn't be expecting me. But I never have to ask if I can come home. I can come home whenever. But someone who's not in the family, they better knock at least, you know. Or else they might not like what happens, you know. Why? Because we're part of the family. I want to encourage you today, Ruth, for the first time, knew what it would felt like to be part of the family which is a picture for you and me this morning, that if you accept Christ as your Savior, you're a part of the family. The Bible says we can call out Abba, Father. Now, how does that happen? Well, that covenant was for you and for me. Jesus was willing to do something for you, whether you know it or not. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, 
that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do you realize this morning that whether you know it or not, Jesus was willing to go to the cross to take your place and mine on there. Now, why do we need to go to the cross? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, well, that's easy. I'll just do good things to pay my way. But the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, so any man should boast. It's nothing you can do that to get you to heaven. The only way is through the grace of Jesus Christ. By the way, his grace was showed when he went to the cross for you and me. Think about it this way. There's two big chasms, and the only way across is our own merit, and it's not enough. But Jesus Christ came with the cross, and it connects them both. If you will accept Christ as your Savior, you can go through the cross, and you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Luke chapter 19, verse 9 says, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to his house, for as much as he also was a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you realize this morning, you and I must come through Jesus to get saved. Hebrews 6.19 says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, meaning high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Basically what that means is Jesus Christ was willing to establish a covenant with you and me and do everything it took to go to heaven except you inviting him into your life. You have to do that. There's nothing you can do. Jesus did it all for you. You can either reject it as Ruth could have rejected it or you can accept it by inviting him into your life. What about you today? Will you accept Christ as your Savior? Do you believe that? And then second of all, maybe you feel some uncertainty like Abraham or even Ruth does. I'm not worthy of this. God, why would you do it? Well, the Bible says in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We can have real confidence in him if we'll but accept him into our life, repent of our way of thinking, and put our faith and trust in him. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Perhaps there's somebody here today that would say, oh, Pastor Justin, I need what you just talked about. I need Jesus. <laughs> I, I've tried my own way. I've tried other religions. I've tried other churches. I've, I've, I've tried doing good things. I've tried what the world has to offer. I've, I've tried everything for happiness, and I... I've never been truly fulfilled, and I really want Jesus Christ in my life, if he'll have me. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to say, Pastor Justin, that's me this morning. I need Jesus in my life. I want a relationship with him. I won't embarrass you. No one's looking around. But if you could this morning, would you just sliply, quickly uh, slip up your hand this morning if that's you? God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand this morning. Anybody else this morning say, Pastor Justin, I need Jesus in my life. Who else would join those who've raised their hand? God bless you. I see that hand. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just say something like this in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell. But I don't want to go there. 
Lord, I believe and trust in you and invite you into my heart. Please come to my heart and save me and take away my sin. I believe and trust in you. I repent of my way of thinking and accept you into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I will not embarrass you. But if you just prayed that prayer, will you slip up your hand real quick? I want to rejoice with you. God bless 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 you. Maybe you just invited Jesus Christ in your life. The Bible says once you're saved, you're, you're saved, you're settled. You're a child of God. But I want to encourage you today, maybe there's some today that say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I haven't been trusting God like I should. And Ruth was willing to not just toil, not just turn from her way, but she was willing to continually trust in God. And there's some things I'm going through today that I just need to mount up on eagle's wing like, like you talked about. I need to grow in my trust today. Will you pray for me if that's you? We slip your hand today. I want to pray for you. You say, my trust, I'm going to grow on that. God bless you. Maybe there's someone today that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I've had this struggle in my heart about looking at other fields, the world of the world maybe, other things that God would have me not do. And I was reminded today that, that I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand up. God bless you. Maybe there's someone today that say, Pastor Justin, I am facing one of those burdens you talked about. I have a financial struggle. I, I have a, a relationship need. I have a work thing. I have some things I'm dealing with today. And I just, will you pray for me today that I'll just give it to God? If that's you, will you slip your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. I see those hands. Lord, you know, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. I don't pretend to know what everybody's going through. I do know there's a lot of people on our prayer list. There's people who have surgeries upcoming. There's people that may be watching online right now because they can't be here because of health issues. Or there's people that are dealing with financial strains, no doubt, with the world we live in today. Or there's those who are troubled maybe what's going on in the Middle East. And there's, uh, there's trouble, Lord. Uh, they're wondering how, what's all going to happen. Lord, I pray you'll just help them today. Be with those who are looking at other fields may they keep their eyes on you. Be with those who need to run under your wings may they do it. Lord, I pray we'll never forget the pledge you've made with us to the new covenant. We get to rejoice that you're our Heavenly Father because you went to the cross for us. Thank you for the many who would raise their hand for salvation today. I pray you'll bless this service to come. Be with the invitation. May we respond as you'd have us to. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano's going to play. May I encourage you to respond to the message as God would have you to. Maybe you'd like one of our pastors to pray with you, or maybe you'd just like to come forward and spend some time. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism today. We'd love to help you with that. If you'd like to just come forward, maybe you'd like to uh, put your membership here. We'd love to talk to you about that. May I encourage you today to to uh, uh, do what God would have you to do this morning.
Father, we love you. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for the great work that you're working in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would use your word to change us, Father, and to make us different than we are and make us into who we ought to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Pastor Justin's on his way upstairs. We have one baptism this morning, Heather Kaiser, uh, and her family's here to watch, but uh, she's going to be baptized this morning, has professed faith in Christ, and wants to make it public through baptism, and so we're excited for that. If you would, turn your attention to the screens. We'll watch the next video, uh, and then we'll be done with our service. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for another sermon from Pastor Layman. Best Years Club, don't miss our special Thanksgiving lunch Friday, November 10th at noon with all the fixings at the church. The cost is $10, so bring a friend and come enjoy a special time of fellowship. To sign up for this and all other Best Years Club activities, check the sign-up sheets on the welcome desk. Join us next Sunday as we will be observing the Lord's Supper in the 5 p.m. service. Join us on Veterans Sunday on November 12th. We will have patriotic music and take time to recognize each veteran in our service. Every veteran in attendance will receive a special gift. Grandview Christian Academy will be holding a special benefits concert on Tuesday, November 28th at 7 p.m. Come support our fall fundraiser as we enjoy the musical performance from our students. Don't miss our pie and pray service on Wednesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. Come enjoy a slice of pie as we celebrate all that we have to be thankful for this year. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. As Heather gets ready, I just want to encourage you uh, to be back tonight. Um, we'll be preaching through Acts 13 as we look at the proconsul uh, that was, uh, I'm sorry, the preacher, let's see here, and, uh, the, and Pathos as they got to see the gospel continue to be shared through that region and the governor got saved. It's going to be an exciting time, so I hope you'll be back for that. So, This is Heather. Heather accepted... Uh, Christ uh, a couple weeks ago, I think, and uh, she's been coming with her family, and she has, I believe, 19 supporters today, and so congratulations. We're so glad you're here, and this are friends and families of Heather, and they're coming to support Heather getting baptized, and we're thankful for that, and uh, so Heather, um, yeah, right there. Heather, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Yes, I have. Heather, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, for likes of his death. Praise my good resurrection. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Thank you, Brother King. And what a wonderful day in the house of the Lord. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Thank you for all you've done for us, God. Help us to trust you as you seek to protect us, Lord, and all that you do. And Lord, help us to uh, be guided by you this week. As we go out into the world, we pray that you'd help us to be salt and light as you've commanded us to be. 
In Jesus' name, amen.